This morning, Jesus is speaking, and this is the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Well, many of you have had vacations this summer, had time to take a trip and be gone for a while. I've been gone for the last 10 days. Had about four days of family vacation down on the Gulf Coast of Florida, which was wonderful. But the first six days I was gone, I was attending one of the offerings of the United Methodist Church. It's called the Academy for Spiritual Formation. It's put on by our Upper Room Division of Ministries. They're a part of our Board of Discipleship. You're probably most familiar with the Upper Room because we always have these Upper Room devotional books out in the hallway for you to pick up and use for your daily devotional time. But this is not the only ministry of the Upper Room Ministries. The Academy for Spiritual Formation is another, and they have a variety of other spiritual enrichment programs and projects and ministries you can be about. But this Academy for Spiritual Formation that I'm a part of is a two-year commitment where we go away for one week every quarter and basically try to do what Jesus tells his disciples to do in this text this morning. In verse 9, he tells them, abide in my love. Abide in my love. That's exactly what we were trying to do that week, is to let go of other distractions and listen for God and make sure as best we could to be at the center of God's love and to live our lives there. One of the biblical commentators I read this week and last week as I was preparing for the sermon said, try to think about how many times you use the word abide. Probably not very many. Most of us don't use abide in our common everyday conversation. This commentator suggested maybe the word reside, reside in God's love. Maybe that would be more helpful to us we know about a residence a place that we go to rest a place we go to be home a place we feel safe and secure so she said maybe reside in my love would be more helpful then there's dr eugene peterson who's one of our great professors he spent 10 years translating the whole of the bible and what he calls the message translation the way he translates verse 9, I've put in your outline, he writes it like this, make yourselves at home. Make yourselves at home in my love. Jesus is giving this commandment to his disciples to make a commitment to abide or reside or to be at home, to make your home, to make your life in his love. Often when we have opportunity to go away to summer camp or to a retreat, we have some extended time by ourselves to think about God and what God's doing in our lives and think about our commitment to Christ, particularly if when we are away, we're purposely focusing on that. We have the experience of 
God's inspiration and power surrounding us. Sometimes that happens when we gather together in a large worship service like this or sometimes in a small group. We have that experience of God's presence being very close. And often out of that, we make a commitment to do better, to be more intentional, to walk as a follower of Christ more faithfully than what we have been doing. But what I've found, just like after this week away for Spiritual Academy, is that when you get back, you have a life. You have other relationships to attend to. You have other responsibilities and All the time you had to spend a whole day or a whole week attending to God seems to evaporate rather quickly. And then almost imperceptibly, one day you realize that great commitment I made, I've not really lived up to. That what I had hoped to do, I'm not really doing in my life. I'm no longer abiding in Christ's love. Or maybe you've never even had that experience. Maybe you're thinking, David, I don't think I ever have felt that kind of intimacy and closeness with Christ that you're talking about. Either way, either way, it's important for us to think about where we are in our life's journey, in our spiritual journey. I put a question in your outline I think will help us. How do we structure our lives to truly abide or reside in the love of Christ we have some choice in this matter if we're too busy as Christians to talk with God to be in conversation with God if we're too busy to read scripture or to come to worship then there's something wrong with the way that we have structured our lives because that's supposed to be at the top of the priority list once we make a commitment to be a follower of Christ that's to be number one And if we find that we're living a life where that's dropped way down the list or completely off the radar, then we will do well to spend some time thinking about how we are structuring our lives. Jesus helps us in the text know what to focus on when we're thinking about this. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Then he kind of gives us the answer or the clue in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now the Pharisees, the Jews of the day, had 613 commandments that one should follow. John says Jesus boils this down to this. This commandment to love one another. That's the key to think about whether or not we're loving one another. The section we read from this morning, this 15th chapter, is part of a little larger section in John's gospel. The beginning of chapter 13, John turns his attention to the last night Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. Now, where the synoptic Gospels tell us about the institution of the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, John records a different part of the story. He tells us once they're gathered at the table that what Jesus did was take off his regular clothes or his outer garments, pick up a towel, wrap it around his waist, 
kneel on the floor and begin to wash the feet of the disciples. And that he worked his way around the table washing their feet. And then after he finished, he says to them, Do you know what I have done for you? I've set you an example that you should love one another. I've set you an example in this washing of the feet of the way you should love one another. And then just a few verses later in the same 13th chapter, he says this, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And then right after where we have read in chapter 15, which is all a part of the same conversation, almost in the same breath, verse 12, chapter 15, Jesus reiterates this again and says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So we have the foot washing as an example. And then Jesus extends that and says to give one's life in love for another is what I'm commanding you. That's the path. That's the way to go. It's this mutual love of one another. And when we're participating in that, we find the path to abiding or residing in the love of Christ. We begin to fulfill the commandment He gave us. The theme this month that I've suggested we think about all during August is home. We've talked about eternal home, what it means to have a spiritual home or a church home. This passage suggests where you experience and practice this love for another is home. If you're a follower of Christ, this love for one another is home. And I remind you that the word they used was agape in the Greek, which reminds us that this love is an active part of our faith. It's to serve the good or do the good for another. You are to love one another in an active way. And when you do so, you find your Christian home or your spiritual home. Well, we were away at the Spiritual Academy. Not only did I go, but Jake's Cunningham of our congregation attended, as well as my wife, Mary. Often, what they would do is some teaching around Scripture, and then they would give us an hour or sometimes more than an hour to go and reflect and be in prayer about what God is saying to us through this teaching or through this scripture. Often they would give us three or four different scriptures, often the Psalms, and have us contemplate or meditate or pray those ancient prayers that we have in our book of Psalms. But occasionally they would say, take this particular Psalm, think about how it applies to your life, and then rewrite it. And then after we had this time of silence, we would all come back together and people would have an opportunity to share with the total group if they wanted to what they had written. One of the psalms they suggested we read 
And one of those occasions was Psalm 7, just verse 1 and 2. It's a psalm where the writer is afraid and struggling with concerns of safety and security. My wife Mary wrote on that one. I asked her if I could share what she shared with the group that she wrote in that exercise. She said I could. She said she thought about our own children, our two daughters, when we were in this church. And how it was such a big church and a friendly church that when they would get out of nursery or Sunday school, they would run to her and be right by her side. And then someone would come up being friendly and speak to them. And one of them in particular was so bashful that she would always try to get behind Mary. And if she could get under her skirt, she would do so. And so Mary, thinking about that, rewrote this psalm. I want to read it to you. Dearest Mama, I run to you darting and dashing with one single focus to disappear under your long billowy skirt hidden there the full heavy weight of the folds securely hold me i cling to you i press my face squarely against your plump soft warm leg breathing in your calming earthy smell mama please always keep me here dissolved into you because i am afraid it's a vivid description of safety and security from one we know who loves us it's a description of home of how God wants us to feel when we recognize the great love that is ours in a relationship with the divine being. You know, the good news here is that the love of the fullness of God, the Trinitarian God of which we spoke in our opening prayer and in our affirmation of faith, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is available to us. And is being offered to us as a gift. And we're to be reminded in this Trinitarian idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that the divine love is a love that is always in relationship. And that we can participate in that loving relationship with God. In fact, we're invited and encouraged to do so. And what Jesus is saying in our passage from John today is I've experienced this love of God the Father. And He has loved me and now I've loved you the same way. And the way to life is for you to love one another. But it's not a love that we generate. The Gospels say this love comes from God through Christ to us and then we are empowered by the presence of the ongoing and loving holy spirit to love another to fulfill this command that jesus gives his disciples in john and it applies to us to go and love one another there's a painting at camp sumatonga that's where we were for this spiritual academy it's in northern alabama it's a campground much like our egan retreat and camp here in oklahoma great outdoor spaces hills and trees and 
running water. It's a beautiful setting. But around the camp at several places, they have a replica of an old Russian painting representing the Trinity. It has three figures kind of with halos behind them, so you know they're holy figures, and they're seated at a square table. And the perspective of the painting, if you were the viewer, is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are seated at the table, and there's one open side. And it's the side that you're standing on viewing the painting. And basically, it's an invitation for the viewer to pull a chair up at the table. To become a part of this relationship with God. Are you ready to take your place at the table? Are you ready to pull up a chair to the fullness of God and open yourselves to the blessings of God available in your life? John Wesley found that people in his day, he was the founder of Methodism back in the 1700s, that a lot of people were saying they needed direction to know how to pull up the chair to the table. They weren't sure how to establish this relationship with God. And so he gave them a method. And we became Methodists because so many people found such power in the method. And do you remember what he told them? Is that they should meet with other Christians every week. And share the state of their soul. Or to put it in other words, to share how their life was going as one who says they're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You remember he had three general rules for them. To do no harm. To do good in every way possible. And to attend to the spiritual practices of staying connected to God. And those practices were such like this, public worship, Bible study, reading of Scripture together, also reading Scripture alone and private prayer, participating in Holy Communion. Those were the practices that Wesley had gleaned from the rich history of Christian spiritual traditions and from the Scriptures that this is how we stay connected to God. And he says, if you will meet together... And talk about that and encourage each other and watch over one another with love. You will begin to experience God in a new and powerful and deeper way. In other words, you'll be able to pull your chair up to the table. Of course, they are to do all of this in the spirit of watching over one another in love as Christ has commanded his disciples to do. But it's still valid today. Wesley's teaching and method is still important for us to think about today. What step might you take to help you draw closer to God this year? As the children are coming, we're thinking about New starts, fresh beginnings, going back to school, a new opportunity. It's a great time for us to think about the same in our spiritual lives. Maybe you need to join a Bible study and structure that into your schedule. 
Maybe pick up an Upper Room magazine and use that for your daily devotional time. Maybe join one of the small accountability groups. If you're a female, maybe join in a UMW circle. It might be any number of things. Maybe you want to go on the walk to Emmaus and have four days away surrounded by Christian love. Think about what is God doing in my life? Where might God be leading me? What might I need to change to be a more faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? What step will it be for you? What step will move you toward truly residing in the love of Christ? It is a question worth pondering.